0: Hey everybody, welcome to Christian AF. Today we're talking Cap. with our friend Ryan burge Uh we friend ha- of the podcast, friend of the podcast, friend of
1: Oh. Is he the first non-church goer who's he's the first uh, repeat interview. He is uh yeah. Well, short of our doubles, our like part one, part two, but
0: yeah. but, uh, but yes, correct, that is true. So I so um, get
1: McLaren back on because second his follow up to his book. Not sure I'm now. mentally prepared to I read, another read another book, another by, book. by him. <laughs> it's
2: <so laughs> ruined my brain, um, uh, Ryan. Yeah, if you remember, we did a politics oh, conversation with him during in 2020 during
0: the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, Actually,
2: like the, we interviewed him the day Ruth Bader Ginsburg died.
0: Right. So uh, in this. In this interview that we're talking with him, uh, it's it's already been recorded. But uh, we apologize if there's any audio issues. We had some uh, major problems setting up our our uh, our Skype Zoom interview, whatever it landed at. But um, and I will say this: we changed. forgot
1: to ask him to plug his stuff. Oh, so he's
0: RyanBurge.net. I'll plug it in this the info so show if you, notes. If you go to the show notes, if you don't know what that is, go to your uh, whatever you're listening on and anything that says the info about this episode you're listening to it should say it in there Um, there should be links and other things like
2: that we always link our drinks but we also link anything our guests. yeah
0: he's on twitter I think it's
1: at Ryan Burge yeah yeah.
0: so go follow him go look him up he's got some really great knowledge Um, but as a whole if there's any audio issues uh, straight up right now we apologize we had some uh, I was fighting with the computer for like 45 minutes until we just went a more simple route at uh, Ryan Burge
1: At Ryan Burge
0: Alright Twitter um, So here we go We're talking with Ryan Burge uh, uh, Real quick I'm drinking Jen and I are drinking Upshot We've had this on the Episode before Upshot wine Delicious It's a uh, blend A red blend Delicious uh, Lame
2: Have you? Did you even taste it? It's good Yeah I did There's no I cab in it, it So that's probably Why you don't like it
0: No yeah. but it's not bad For a red blend I, I will say that It's a good cheap red blend what, won, do you, what, it, do you, what are you What are you sipping on? Uh,
1: it did win our church wine tasting. It did win our church wine tasting.
0: Uh, Offered twenty and a
2: blind $200. wine yeah. tasting.
1: Blind wine yeah, tasting. Blind uh, blind tasting. Wine tasting. Uh, He's had this before. I'm drinking the Samuel Adams Alpine Lager. 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 Yeah. Right. And as you'll it. soon find out, yeah. uh, Ryan Berg is drinking Gatorade. Gatorade. So uh, thank you. Well we're talking about church. We're talking about church. Post pandemic again, a little bit kind of just we riff on a bunch of stuff yeah Yeah.
0: so uh enjoy this podcast we hope you appreciate it uh ryan uh has got some awesome uh insights to some of these things that we often talk about so enjoy here we go grab a drink buckle up listen to ryan burge spout out some amazing information.
1: information
2: information information so here we go
1: all right so uh we are here with Dr. Ryan Burge, uh, <laughs> political scientist, <laughs> you guys said that. Come on.
2: Y'all can't see him, but he's shaking his head at us. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: um, and uh, today we're talking about uh, Christianity in a post-pandemic world and uh, some mainline stuff. But let's begin, I think, last time we had you on, which was uh, almost two years ago. Uh, we talked about, uh, the mega church bubble and, uh, we, we talked a little bit about church planting, but where do you think in light of, uh, some Mars Hill stuff? And then obviously the most recent Hillsong documentary? I don't know if you got a chance to,
3: Oh, I watched it. It's part of my job. I think to watch that stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, where do you think we are in the mega church bubble?
3: I think it's. I don't. I don't think it's ever going to pop. To be honest with you, I think there's just there's an economies of scale argument that happens with mega churches that I think it's just it's more efficient to have, you know, five big churches in a community as opposed to like twenty medium to smallish size. And the bigger they get, they almost create their own like like gravitational pull, and it makes it harder for the mediums, you know, the hundred person, hundred fifty person church to compete with a. A church that has a sixth to eighth grade pastor and, you know, a a birth to five pastor and a kid's depot and a gym and, you know, activities and all these things. So, you know, most parents don't pick a church based on high minded stuff like theology. They pick it on based on when's the service time? How long does the service go? How good the music is? Do you have stuff for my kids? Mm -hmm. And how many friends do I have that go there? And guess what? If you go to a non-denominational church. They check all those boxes. I mean, they have services on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays and Sunday nights sometime, And they have stuff with the kids. And it's a, it's a hard hour and you're out and the great music and all that. So a lot of people just go because it's easy to go. I mean, that's that's the non-denominational megachurch deal. And it's worked really, really well the last 30 or 40 years. And I don't see anyone going, you know what I really need to do? I need to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning and go to an Episcopal church. <laughs> Uh, you know, where we wear vestments and, you know, recite the creeds Mm -hmm. and my kids have to sit next to me and fidget and and, and doodle and and get my way, you know, like that's just not going to happen. So I just think it's inertia at this point, mega churches have figured out how to meet their customer base better than anyone else. And, you know, they're doing, I mean, from just a pure market perspective, they're killing it. They're, they're sucking everybody up. Like they're dominating the market. And I don't see anything in the culture and the data that says they're going to turn around anytime
1: soon. Yeah, and I think that brings up an interesting um, question about. Um, can you hear me? Yep. Oh, okay. Sorry, I can't hear myself. So, uh, I I think it brings up a uh, an interesting question of whether or not we are planting churches. Like, are we planting? essentially mega churches
3: future mega churches i mean isn't that the goal of every i've never heard a church planter at least not many come to me and say i want to plant a church that gets like 250 and that's a hard cap you know we will not grow above 250 <laughs> they they don't say that yeah, yeah. Uh, and what they'll say is well we wanted to keep it you know medium sized and we just couldn't you know turn the gospel away from people so we got bigger and bigger and bigger when in reality, we know that, you know, you can't anything, any organization above 250, 300 people is a, it becomes a different kind of organization. You got to get a lot more professional with your structure and your order and your, in your budget and, and your HR and all that stuff. And it becomes more impersonal. Like a pastor cannot know 500 people personally, you know, in an intimate way. It's just impossible from a time and space continuum perspective. So I think every planter will go into it and they'll say what we all say, right? Like, I had said it like three years ago. I don't want to become a, like a big Eva evangelical speaker deal guy. And now I kind of am on the fringe of that. And I'm not saying no to stuff. You know what I mean? Like I didn't intend for that to happen. It just happened. You know, like I didn't intend to get a Twitter following. I didn't intend to get right to. <laughs> it just happened. Yeah. And I think a lot of church planters, I'm going to like kind of get on their side and say this. I don't think a lot of them intended to have a thousand person church. They intended to start a, you know, small, medium-ish sized church. And it just got if you do your job well, you're kind of a victim of your own success. And I think that's where a lot of them are, is they kind of in their heart of hearts would wish they could go back the way it was when it was 250 people. But how do you do that? You can't unring the bell. You can't I remember Rob Bell in his first book, which by the way, I'm a I'm a Rob Bell guy. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, yeah, changed the game <laughs> you know, 15. Years ago. I'm just kidding. I, mean, I used to go to church five yeah. times a week in grad in, in undergrad. I had to go to chapel three times a week. I went to vespers once. I did Wednesday night youth group. I did Sunday morning church. So I was in church almost every day of the week. I saw Rob Bell in 2004 as a senior in college, and that's the only sermon I remember from that period of my life. I still remember to this day. So he had to be doing something right when you can remember what he said 17 years later, you know. So. You know, Rob Bell has in his first book, he talks about how he was sitting in the closet between the first service and the second service at Mars Hill. And the only thing he wanted to do was get up, get in his car and drive away as far as he could and as fast as he could, because he created something that got beyond what he was capable of taking care of. And that is a blessing and a curse. And I think that's where a lot of people get into is that it kind of gets away from you. And before you realize that you're dealing with something you you don't know how to handle, yet you can't walk away because if you do, you get Mars Hill, Grand Rapids, which is a tenth the size today that it was in Rob Bell's heyday. So, I mean, that's, I mean, at some point, does Rob Bell go to bed at night and think about that? Like, I killed Mars Hill, Grand Rapids. I don't know, but it's an impossible situation you put yourself in. So, planters have a really difficult job. They do their job well, their job gets 10 times harder, and they can't walk away from it. So, I don't know what you do with that unless you ride the lightning all the way to the end, like Rick Warren. Um, and you know, retire hopefully without screwing everything up like Bill Hybels did uh, at Willow yeah. Creek. Uh, but that's really the best uh, case scenario: is you don't screw it up at the end, and that seems what, rare. What do case. you,
0: what do you feel about uh, like the cell church mentality? Because a lot of the mega churches try to like uh, develop that, where you have the, you know, the uh, satellite churches and all these other things, uh, probably to combat that very issue. You know, of of saying we can only, we want to feel small, but not you know, function that way. But um, I feel like that's the, the, the result of the solution. Of yeah. The solution that came from it, which I feel like there's also a lot of problems
3: with those. Oh, I, but um, yeah, I, agree. I think there's no perfect organizational yeah. structure for a church. Let's just be completely clear mm-hmm. with that. There's no ideal type. Yeah. They all work differently. And mm-hmm. you're right. The cell yeah. group was a band aid on the gaping wound of mega churches weren't working. So let's make a big church small. Yeah. Right. And does it work? Yeah. I think it does in some ways because now your community becomes a you know, 15, 20 people instead of 2,000 people. And you can know those people yeah. well and kind of really invest in their lives and build community with those people. But at the end of the day, if the pastor of the megachurch left, would you still say, stay in that cell group? I don't know if that's true or not. I think and still in yeah. some ways, you are kind of drawn to the cult of personality. I mean, every I don't care what anyone says. Every megachurch... Is a cult of personality mm-hmm. at some level. Okay. Oh, well, for sure. They for have sure. to be. Like, if, let's do an experiment. Like, we, with alcoholics, they say, I'm not an alcoholic. I guess don't drink for 30 days. And they go, wait a minute, right? For a mega church yeah. <laughs> like, take a six month sabbatical and see how it goes, right? Just yeah. walk away from the pulpit for six months and see if your church grows in those six months. How many people are going to leave in those six months? Are you going to grow at all? You're probably not going to grow at all. So, you know what that tells you? It's yeah. you, buddy. You're it. You're the show. Yeah. And so that's the problem is you become the show and then you can't walk away because you're the show. You know, I mean, yeah. Carl Lenz is the same way, right? We can go down the list of all these mm-hmm. guys. I worry about Steve Furtick all the time. That dude grew a gigantic church, Elevation Church in North Carolina. Now yeah. what's he going to mm-hmm. do? Like, how do you, building yeah. stuff is fun. Maintaining stuff sucks.
1: He's going to lift weights to what <laughs> do.
3: <laughs> what's funny about that church, by the way, they turned Pentecostal somehow.
1: They did, right? Yeah. Because yeah, they're, yeah, they're a Southern Baptist that. church, yeah. right? They're, they're a SBC, yeah, but they, tra- yeah.
3: they were very like old school SBC, like non denominational SBC in the beginning. And now you watch a sermon and people yeah. are like, amen, brother. You know, like they're doing like a whole black yeah. Southern Baptist thing, like the Pentecostal, like amens and clapping in the middle of the sermon and standing mm-hmm. up and stuff. Like that's not Southern yeah. Baptist, dude. We don't do it that no, way. Uh-uh. I grew up Southern Baptist. Yeah. That ain't it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting yeah. evolution, like of how they became like more charismatic as they got larger. I just don't know how that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I
1: think there is uh that's actually interesting because, uh, I'm assuming you know Carrie Newhoff. Yep. I have a love-hate relationship with uh, Kerry Newhoff. Uh, uh, and the, um, but yeah, I remember a few years ago, pre-pandemic, or as the, I guess as the pandemic was, was rearing up in, in March of 2020, he was talking about, hey, the, the fastest-growing churches are these charismatic churches. These, and I went to a charismatic seminary. I'm not charismatic. I'm definitively... Uh, like as, as Methodist as you get is where I'm at, you know, but the, but we, which I mean, charismaticism comes from method, but regardless the, uh, but I, I found that it is interesting almost that the styles like these churches who, these churches that are growing or bigger, it, 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 he has a point like the more charismatic or exciting, I guess is a more, uh, 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 a better terminology the more exciting a church is the more likely they are to grow right
0: but you saw that in revivalist movements like it it, like it's kind of doing that cycle again of like that whole starting over of like the the, i mean
2: i think people right now like everything we do has to be entertaining so like uh social media anything any media you consume in general the the news everything is like heightened and has to be somewhat dramatic and exciting. And so does that somehow correlate to church? I mean, I think it does. Like you talk about uh, culture as a whole affecting dwindling down into church culture as well. So I'm curious, like if that's part of it or not, but. I think
3: it's, like, I think it's the, the draw that we have towards like sensationalism, like spectacle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, yeah. I think churches have embraced spectacle Right for a long time, it was like we yeah. want to be rote. We want to be very liturgical. We want to be like we say the creed now, and we get really bombastic yeah. on Easter, and we put purple drapes on stuff. Wow, yeah. you know. And now it's like we have camels crapping in the in the altar on Christmas. You know, like yeah. we, we basically it's like blown the doors off of we don't. You know, we shouldn't try to focus on spectacle too. Spectacle is what we. I mean, let's be honest here. What's his name, Brian, the Hillsong guy, that preacher guy, is not that good. Okay, he's just... Yeah, Brian, he's not good. He's not a good preacher. That church grows because their music is absolutely banging. Like, they have the best Mm -hmm. CCM music in the world. I don't care what anybody says objectively, sales-wise, plays-wise. You know, everyone sees Mm -hmm. what Hillsong does and copies them, right? That's why Hillsong Mm -hmm. grew to 150,000 people in 30 countries and blah, 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 blah. Like, music is the universal language. And I think what's interesting is if you watch... I love to like kind of like observe like my there's a church in town, my town that's a mega a mega church. It's two thousand people. If they they bought time on the yeah. local news station and they actually half mm-hmm. of their time they bought, they it's the praise and worship, and then half's the sermon. We wouldn't yeah. the church I grew up in Southern Baptist Church, we bought radio time. It was 30 minutes on Sunday morning. It started as soon as the preacher got up to preach. That was the 30 minutes oh, of sure. the sermon only, no music. And now they're at like the music is an essential piece, a recipe, you know, of success is we need some preaching and we need the music because we know the music is now pulling as many people in, if not more, than the preaching is, which causes a lot of problems if you really sit back and think about it.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny because that's how like our, our pot, like our sermons, we used to just do the sermon for our podcast kind of a thing where we'd throw those out. If you missed a week, check out the podcast. But since the pandemic, we've, we've moved to the whole, like everybody moved a whole gathering live stream idea. But at the same time, we're just like, is this actually, is there a point to this?
0: Well, probably because <laughs> we we're a small church and can barely afford to <laughs> do anything interesting looking. So it's like a camera in the back of her.
2: We don't have purple drapes
3: We're not. You ain't that yeah, crazy yeah. No
0: And who wants drape? to watch Your that?
3: Sis? Come on now. You're out. <laughs> yeah. You're out of Christmas. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it is like an interesting thing. I mean, because in the United States and, and I think we can move in this direction a little bit. Um, Specifically, you know, I don't know if you've picked up the new Andy Stanley book. Uh, on politics in the church just came out last week i'm
3: sure i can guarantee you what it says which is it says nothing in a whole lot of pages that's any controversy yeah yeah oh yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah it's a little bit like he's i feel i feel like he's a little bit more as he's nearing retirement he's pulling less punches does that make you sense you know like in he's in the like
3: room and then walk out
1: yeah, and walk out. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, uh, my brother. It's funny you said Rob Bell. My brother calls Rob Bell a theological punter. <laughs> so he'll say something, and then uh, basically, you know, what I'm saying like he's like, "Here's something crazy," uh, or maybe crazy, and I'm going to move away. <laughs> Andy Stanley is very similar to that. I love that. In move. terms, that's of- my favorite movie.
3: you ever thought about blah 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 blah, and then just like go, just leave it in the air, and just walk onto the <laughs> next thing, like deal with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but. I, I'm curious as
1: to where do you think the church is going to go. Po- I, I, it's it's weird to say post Trump because we don't know if it's actually post Trump, but where, <laughs> but where do we think the church is going to go now? Right, like we've seen such a backlash with evangelicalism. Uh, conservative, even cons- more conservative mainline or or cat- what doesn't matter. Like, uh, we've seen the church have uh, their name has been scraped through the mud essentially in the past few years.
3: I think if you look at the data, like everyone who's going to come back has basically come back, like according to Pew data. I mean, they, I think they said like, yeah, for, they did it like six months ago and then like last month, and the share of people who went back was like less than 5% between those two dates. Like, so if you're not back mm. now, you're not coming back. So for a lot of churches yeah. they're looking at the pews going, "Oh crap. You know, like we are significantly smaller than we were, you know, in 2019, let's say. And and listen, the thing about it that makes this complicated from a social science standpoint is if I say that the share of Americans who never attend went from, you know, 43% to 47% between 2019 and 2022, of that 4%, mm-hmm. what's due to COVID and what's just due to generational replacement because a lot of people died over yeah. the last 3 years, not just yeah. of COVID, but just of anything. And you know, yeah. when they die, they're being replaced by Gen Z, who's incredibly irreligious. So of that four percent, yeah. how much can I chalk to COVID? How much can I chalk just to natural generational replacement that's going on? But I think what you're seeing is a lot of evangelical churches are probably gonna be 90, 95% of what they were pre-COVID, right? They're gonna grow from there. I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of mega churches, especially, like a lot of non denom mega churches. But a lot of Mainline have been just destroyed by COVID because the kind of people who are the least yeah. likely to come back are those people. It's you know, 70, 75-year-old yeah. liberals, highly educated people who are scared to death of getting COVID. And, you know, maybe justifiably so or not, I don't know. But in my estimation, the people I'm still seeing wear masks in my community are old, old people, like 80s and up, who are typically more highly educated in, in center or center left. Guess what? Yeah. That's the mainline demographic. Those people aren't coming back, yeah. a lot of them, because they just don't want to risk it. And they got out of the habit of doing it, and they realized, eh, I don't think I missed that much from not going to the Methodist church. So that's the ones I think yeah. it's actually going to accelerate the death of the mainline. I don't think we can overstate the death of the mainline. Like it is just an absolute they were they were 30% yeah. of America in 1975, and now they're going to probably be five percent of America in the next 10 years, like literally a rounding year. Wow. Like just a fraction of a percentage yeah. of Americans. So and and this has done nothing to help them. I think evangelicalism is gonna be, become a larger and larger share of Protestant Christianity, and has become a smaller, yeah. which means we're only getting one note in the public square now, which is conservative, fundamentalist. Evangelical is the only yeah. type of Protestant Christian that exists in 10 or 20 years. Yeah. That's,
1: yeah, that's actually very interesting, especially now that United Methodists are splitting or did they split? I don't know if they they're actually. They're on the way to splitting right now. Yeah. Yeah. They're on the way. Yep. Um, but it brings up that, that brings up a, a a very interesting point is in terms of, so you wrote a book, which is funny. I, it's, I came, I was preparing for the interview and I was like, Oh crap. He wrote a book called something about the nuns or whatever. And I was like, crap, we should have read this book. <laughs> uh, but so I, I, I skimmed the, uh, I bought it, but I skimmed the first, uh, chapter, but I want to, but I had some questions specifically. Is there uh what, what, what do you attribute the rise to, uh, the rise of those nuns i mean it's been a, a few years uh, of about a decade or so but uh what do you attribute that rise of the non-religious
3: yeah a couple things um i think chapter two of the book chapter three maybe i can't remember chapter yeah, two they, of the book i'm actually writing get next, there. a second edition of the book uh this summer it's nice. going to come out next uh march uh, which i'm excited for uh and that's where the chapter of the uh, about the COVID's is going to go in is is the updated version okay. of the nuns um I, I think it's a couple things. I actually, I kind of I highlight seven things in the book, but I really think it's primarily probably three things. One is um secularization. Just America America was going to become less religious over time because it's just what happens. It's like a natural process. If you look at like if you take yeah. a sociology religion class, you're gonna spend a week on secularization theory, which is just the idea that as you become more educated and more economically advanced you need god less so you just become less religious and yeah. you know western europe's like your shining star of that like most of like norway is like eight percent religious you know they just don't they're, they're mm-hmm. secular they're a post-christian country um mm-hmm. and so it's kind of it's silly to think that america would not become more like europe it just it's kind of astounding it took so long and it's gone so slow so that's part of it mm-hmm. uh, i think politics is a huge part of it i mean it's impossible to mm-hmm. say politics did not drive the rise of the nuns and you know, today, about 35% of liberals are nuns. It's only about 10% of conservatives. So it's it's, it's completely okay. predicated on on politics. It's becoming harder and harder to be a liberal Christian, uh, a liberal person of faith mm. in general, just because they don't exist much anymore. And they're not very loud and they're mm. not very organized. Um, and then you got something yeah. like the Internet, right? The Internet changed. I don't think we'll, we'll we're going to spend the next 50 years trying to figure out what the internet did. We're only figuring out what the old school internet did now. I mean, and we're writing them. I don't think people realize like Facebook is only like 15 years old, like mainstream 15 years old, you know, and YouTube is just a little bit, you know, like 2008, 2009. So we're not, and TikTok's like two years old and it's like taking over everything, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So like we can't understand something when it's trying to figure itself out. You you know, like we don't know what Facebook is. We don't, imagine making your research career, like I want to figure out what MySpace is all about. You know, like you don't know if Facebook's <laughs> yeah. going to exist in five years or TikTok or Twitter or whatever it is. So what the Internet yeah. did, though, and we, we know that it, it opened up other perspectives to people, right? Different perspectives they'd never seen before. And it used to be if you want to learn about Islam in 1970, you have to go to the freaking library and go like Dewey Decimal, that crap. And like, blah, 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 you know, go in the card catalog and like look <laughs> on the shelves. Yeah. And now you can go on TikTok and you can have a guy who's really intelligent really charismatic and really knowledgeable about Islam, give you like a one-minute video that teaches you about the five tenets, you know, the five core you know, tenets of, of Islam, just like that. Yeah. And you can learn about it in a digestible, interesting, entertaining way. So I think the more you learn about other faiths, makes you think you question your own faith more. And I think that is, I kind of led people to go, wow, the foundation I was taught is kind of crumbly. It's not as sure as I thought yeah. it was. And I think that's kind of accelerated trends that were already happening and going to continue to accelerate trends as we go forward
1: yeah yeah i mean it is interesting i mean you're in illinois right you're still in illinois that's I right assume.
3: greatest state in the world yeah
1: yeah all those properties <laughs>
2: sure, sure 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 sure
1: mm-hmm. um and uh <laughs> the we but you know one thing is like like our churches i I'm somewhat struggling with is uh you know we've been talking about hey you know instead of trying to fight the same battle that the church has been fighting. Basically it's instead of fighting for butts and seats, like do you think there will be a a relatively new future of the church where it says, hey, instead of doing this, we want to create uh spaces. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like create like hey, people are hey, in you know, our especially in the Rust Belt where everything's abandoned. It's yeah. like, hey, let's take this abandoned thing and then let's turn this into a a space where we have like, we have like crappy comedy and we have like, you know, whatever, some crappy, heavy metal. Does
3: high it school all have band. to be
2: crappy? It Could does. If it's
3: local, it's probably going to be crappy. <laughs> hey, you know. Hey, I'm in a <laughs> local band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were good. Local, yeah. You know, in being in Rockford, band. you can go somewhere else.
1: I, uh, that's, our, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, that's what we're
0: doing. <laughs> yeah. Slowly. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, Eventually. It's true. But do you think there's a future of the church where it's saying, you know what, you know, I think mega church stuff, because we have a lot of friends who, uh, not a lot, we have a few friends who have left some mega churches and either come to ours or gone to a different church because we're less, I don't know, showboating? Yeah, less uh, experiment or experience oriented. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm.
0: But we're more, I mean, even what you're, maybe accidentally about to say we're more experimental in what we do. Um, Cause I think yeah. like, as far as like uh, multi, uh, just big church as a whole, like you can't experiment as much as, as no. small churches can is like, what, what should we be doing? Where should we re divert our culture in, in thought of where we're, you know, pushing our, our community. And I, I, and you get stuck in those, those spots in the big church, you know, I don't know. Yeah.
3: You know, I was that I was actually listening to this interesting podcast. This guy went to one of those crypto conferences in Miami, which sound like just absolute yeah. hell on earth, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, that's awful. Um, they sound awful. Yeah, but you know, he they he was saying something I thought was really like it kind of like struck a chord. And I'm thinking about it all day. He was saying that like all these crypto bros love to like talk crap about the government first, right? Because the Fed is all terrible and fiat currency is all a fake, and so the government's yeah. out to get us. They don't like Warren Buffett because he doesn't like crypto. They also don't like, you know, like <laughs> the other coins. So like you're a Bitcoin person, you don't like Ethereum or Doge or you know whatever it is, right? So like even in that in that weird community, they have to create enemies and they have to act like they're in battles and there's always someone out to yeah. get them. And I think that's what American religion has been and will always be is. There's a small contingent of people who are just happy to be content in their corner and say, listen, we're going to do our thing over here. and We don't have any enemies. And if you want to, you know, whatever. But evangelicalism has thrived on the persecution complex. Like that narrative is literally woven into the DNA of 21st century American evangelicalism. And it's been perpetuated, by the way, by Big Eva. Right. But also by big politicians like Trump's like, you know, Biden's going to hurt the Bible. and He's going to hurt. He said like he said this stuff. I'm not making this up, you know. So like (laughs) that, that, I I wish that American Christianity would go, you know what? You guys can hate us all you want. You can talk crap about us all we want, but we're going to be over in the corner serving people, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting Mm -hmm. the prisoner doing everything that, you know, Matthew 25 talks about. But the reality is that does not get people excited. You got to create enemies of the other side. You got to do boundary maintenance Mm -hmm, and stuff. And that's what makes these churches grow is that conflict. And and I think one of the reasons the main line is not grown is because it says, hey, there's no conflict here. We're all good. You're yeah. part of the club, just like we are. And Big Eva goes, "No, you're not." <laughs> and they're like, "No, no, no we don't want to fight. Yeah. No, no, no. You're you're out. You're heretics." And that, like, the mainline refused to fight, and so Big Eva went, "Oh, we got to find another enemy, which is secular humanism, right? Like the world, uh, the world yeah. outside our doors." So I think that's always going to be going on in American Christianity, and I don't see it going away because honestly, it's successful. It works. Like going back to like yeah. the idea of market economy theory you do what works and mega churches work from a market standpoint and creating enemies works from a marketing standpoint. And that's where we are. It's just people do whatever works, whether it's theologically sound or a good idea, as long as it works, that's all that matters.
1: Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Cause I, th- I, it's funny uh going back to Rob Bell for a second. I think he was so um part of his thing was so successful was one. He was, uh, he's far more orthodox in his teaching than anybody would lead on, right? People today would be like, "Oh, he's so he- heretical!" It's like, no, he's actually he's very faithful to uh, texts or whatever, you know. Oh, he preached more. Uh, he read the-
3: more biblical texts on a Sunday morning than ninety percent of evangelical pastors.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think he was so successful is because uh, he had no interest, at least you know, 15, 20 years ago, he had no interest in that fight, Mm -hmm. you know, where it was, you had like, like today you have your John MacArthur's, you have your whoever's who are fighting uh, a more political battle. Whereas somebody like Rob Bell or a Brian McLaren or a, um, an Evan Savage. I'm just kidding. (laughs) The, The, we have a uh, you haven't written a book i have not written a book and uh that's my retirement plan the uh uh write a book that white girls want to read um okay. the uh, <laughs> jen's laughing Listen, the, you're not gonna make want to read a book it. let me just be
3: very clear about i know
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'll do a i'll do a uh i'll do a documentary yeah
3: you won't make money doing a documentary either i'm sorry evan
1: I'll do a TikTok dance. You can do that. That's it. That's that's you got that. Nailed <laughs> it. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed yeah. it. <laughs> I'll create a new TikTok. yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, it, I think if we look at some of the 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 more impressive churches in his, in in the most recent, extremely recent history, we see actually two of them were actually polar opposites, and they're both named Mar- Mars Hill. Mm. Right? You have. Rob Bell's Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll's Rob, uh, uh, no, I almost said Mark Driscoll's <laughs> Rob Bell, Mark Driscoll's uh, Mars Hill, uh, but you have them, but they both were also at the same time, kind of anti-establishment mm-hmm. at a certain point in their time, they were very, uh, artistically driven. Yep. Uh, and so but coming now, hot take years, about that,
3: can I give you a hot take about yeah, Hill. Yeah. For a second? Yeah.
1: Oh, Absolutely. Yes. So here's my hot take.
3: I actually think that Mark Driscoll. Yeah. Mark Driscoll's Mars Hill was more successful than Rob Bell's Mars Hill. Absolutely. For sure. You know, from a longevity standpoint. um, Yeah. Most of those people, you know, those churches from Mars Hill were like, they're like eight or nine of them. And most of them still exist today in some form or fashion. Like they joined another church or they continue to change their name or something happened. Mars Hill, Grand Rapids, like I just told you, has like a tenth the membership it did. In in Rob Bell's peak, I mean, there's like a thousand people there. You know, there's more there's more Mars Hill, you know, pilgrims from Seattle than there are Mars Hill pilgrims from Grand Rapids, and I think part of that, by the way, is because they had a distributional model in Seattle, right, where they had many different churches that were kind of semi autonomous. So when when Mark left, they had someone to fall back on. When Rob left, they had no one to fall back on in Grand Rapids, and that's when the church fell apart. I'll give you another little, you know who was on the board of Mars Hill Grand Rapids when Rob Bell was pastor? Uh, who's that? Betsy DeVos, former secretary. Oh, of yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Because she's from Grand Rapids, yeah. the DeVos family, like basically owns Western Michigan. And I'm, that's not an exaggeration. Yeah. They pump billions of dollars into the Western Michigan economy. And she was on the board. So that kind of shows you she was not as conservative as people thought. She was at least theologically. Um, and she actually yeah. financed, by the way, Donald Miller's Boo Like Jazz movie. Uh, in the early yeah so that's pretty cool there's your random facts of the day
1: (laughs) so it's the opposite of marjorie green taylor at uh north point i think betsy devos is like
3: an interesting i'd like watch the crap out of a documentary about betsy devos
1: yeah that's actually very interesting that's a good that's a yeah yeah i would too now that you said that the um what
0: what would you say brought along the what you would say more success out of uh, mark driscoll's like i like what 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 caused that the long longevity that it has
3: music uh yeah i mean their music was weird though like i listened to the podcast It was all weird Bonus yeah. episode like on rise of Mars. i'm like man this music sucks
0: uh, there's a <laughs> few musicians from there that i definitely knew of but like i, I never really like it wasn't like a I hill song probably
2: you know? it sounds like just more the model like that he went into it like because rob bell never really did campuses mm-hmm. and and uh multi-church option. And so when he left, he, there was only this one building of people, as opposed to Mark Driscoll, who was basically trying to take over the world
0: the, I, <laughs> be, I his churches. I'm actually like, I'm just going to throw this out there and just like dump on me if this you feel like is total BS. But like, do you feel like uh, Mark Driscoll's, uh, the way he approached things was almost like the Donald Trump thought process of like a little bit more extreme. So you get a little bit more following to it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, whereas, I mean, I love, I'm, I'm on your, your boat with uh, Rob Bell. Like I, I, he, he totally wrecked what my thought was a lot of things. And it kind of changed where I have been uh, in the past. And, but like, to me, that was more longstanding than anything else I've heard. But Mark Driscoll has the, the hot temper, the, push the this, the, that, that a lot of people feel like they need a kick in the ass, yeah. you know, for their Christianity. Do you think that had anything to do with that? Or is that, I, think I mean, that's more just, that's an assumption, but
3: I don't think Rob was as manufactured mm-hmm. and calculated as Mark Driscoll was. And you can kind of see mm-hmm. that in that podcast, they talk about like, there's that famous rant where he, you know, Mark goes, who the hell do you think you are? You uh-huh. know, like all the sure. men yeah. in the church, like we're not being men and like a lot of people around him thought he was doing that to basically tee up a book that he was writing or to get a book contract Mm. like how to be a man, you know, like real marriage, that real marriage. Mm -hmm. So he was like dropping the teaser trailer, you know, a year before the book came out. And I honestly Mm. don't think Rob was that. I think he's like, I'm going to like do some research and write some books. And if they sell, they sell and they don't, you know, like, I just don't think that he had that. But listen, as I'll be honest with you too, I'm I'm more strategic than than other people are. I just try to be more subtle about it. Like I'm not stupid. Like I yeah. I, I think we need to be more transparent about platforms and things like that. Like I get so I get so upset with people who are like, "Oh shucks, I'm just doing what I do up here and I just preach my sermons and I write my <laughs> books." Yeah, bull crap. Right, if you are mm. a ch- a mega church pastor where you're getting book contracts where your advance is a hundred thousand dollars you're not all shucks in your way to a hundred thousand dollar advance <laughs> all right you're yeah. not I don't care and people are like I don't read my reviews bull crap you must know everyone does. your brain must work in a way that 99 percent of people's brains do not work and it might it might but I guarantee you the the, the the odd say you are you are reading your reviews just like I'm reading your my reviews right? So, like, I think there's this yeah. whole, like, branding of, like, I don't know how I got here. I just did my thing. No, no. You calculated every step. You dialed every dial yeah. exactly in the right way. You knew what worked, and you pushed that button. And, by the way, Rob did the exact same thing in Mars Hill. Started wearing sure. the seat seats yeah. in the yarmulkes and talking about Jewish history, and people loved it. And he goes, I'm going to write more about that. I mean, why would you yeah. not, right? Like, you, you, you do yeah. what works. I use Twitter as, like, trial balloons. I throw graphs out, and if they don't go anywhere, I delete them in half an hour right that's yeah. what i do because i want to see what makes and what doesn't make So when I go write a book i can go look i wrote this thing people are still talking about it six months later or a year later so i have that data so i just don't buy that whole like and and i think rob was a little less calculating than than mark was but i think rob managed to hide it better than than mark did mm-hmm. in yeah. terms yeah. of how he calculated but i will say here's what i appreciate rob rob bell's an enigma Okay, he Mm -hmm. hardly does any for sure. You know, he's not very. He does the Rob cast. Yeah, we've tried. We've tried. We've (laughs) been there. I've heard crazy stories of amounts of money that he got offered to do like a like a two day seminar, like a ton of money. Mm -hmm. And he said no. I mean, he Mm -hmm. is just not keep trying. He's not wired that way. (laughs) which I can appreciate, <laughs> yeah. right? So for me, it's, he's a little bit more, he's a little less calculated, more off shucks than other people are, but we're all calculated. We're all trying to get to the next rung of the ladder, the next level of the platform, because we want to grow our audience, sell more books, get more speaking stuff, have a bigger audience. We all want to do that. If you say you don't, you're lying yeah. to yourself, you know? And you can say, well, I'm oh, doing it sure. to spread the gospel, which is fine, but it's also spreading your gospel, which is a natural yeah. human emotion and, a, and an inclination. So I think that's where you got to be careful with these like celebrity pastors. They're all trying to play the game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, You know, we, uh, we've been talking a lot about, uh, the celebrity pastor idea. And one of the things I think, um, the, the nature of our culture, uh, one, we, we, we're a culture of, uh, of cults of personality. Mm -hmm. Like we, we attach, obviously Donald Trump is a great example of that, but but Mega Stephen Furtick, Andy Stanley, even you know uh, 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 Rick Warren, who's like I'm just a overweight guy who wears Hawaiian shirts on Sunday. Like uh, I mean, that's part of the charm of of Rick Warren is he's an overweight guy who wears Hawaiian shirts on Sunday. The and we but we see these things, and at the same time, I think we are wrestling mightily with um, how our I don't know how our how the gospel reconciles itself with that. I don't think it does, mm-hmm. but I think for from my pers- my uh, relatively uneducated perspective of why people are leaving the church is because I think the the BS meter for younger people tends to be a little bit stronger. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, these guys are just this guy's just trying to sell a book.
3: I think you transparency
1: know? is the way to go, right? Like, yeah.
3: Like, I think that's what makes should um, what should make a Christian celebrity different than like a normal celebrity is just a lot more transparency of like, listen, I preached that sermon last week and it went really well. So I'm gonna write a book about it, and I got nice. And yeah. Tense. Like, let's just be clear about what I'm trying to do here. I, you're my test audience. Like, my congregation is my test audience. You get mad about that? You shouldn't get mad about that as, as your congregation because guess what? Every congregation is a test audience, right? To see what kind of message works and how to, you know, bring it to the people and all that kind of stuff. I just think being more clear about like, I'm going, you know, I'm taking three months sabbatical. You know why? Cause I got to write a book. Cause I got a book contract. It's a lot of money. Uh, and I, I want to sell a lot oh, yeah. of copies, you know, like just be clear about what you're doing and why you're doing it. If you're not running your social media, be clear. I don't run my social media. Somebody else does. I don't read my, you know, like whatever you're doing, just be transparent. There's actually a book by the way, coming out. I'll plug Caitlin Beatty's book called celebrities for Jesus. It comes out in August. It's, She's she works for she's like the acquisitions editor for Brazos Press. So she knows a lot of like people on the other side of book publishing, which is where a lot of this comes from. And so she talked to people anonymously about Christian publishers about platforms, like the platform problem, about how we, you know, we don't elevate voices who don't have platforms. And I'll be the first to say, I built my platform from nothing. I built a platform. And you're darn right. I'm going to use it to get a big book contract because I spent the last three or four years building what I have today authentically you know what I mean so like I don't I think when we talk about this stuff we get so we talk about celebrities and platforms and you know whatever it is a lot of times those people who built like everyone's like I'm a 30-year overnight success that's what they only see the end result they don't see all the work that went into getting to where you are and I think the problem with with what we do is and this is Mark Driscoll's problem too his talent exceeded his integrity that was his problem and I think we should not elevate twenty-five-year-old pastors or speakers or musicians in the Christian context. We should wait wait a while for them to get seasoned and 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 go through life and become more mature. Because I'm so glad I got to where I am, which is not that high, by the way. I'm a minor. I'm very <laughs> on the black list, but I'm also forty years old. So I'm humble about yeah. my success. Right? Like I'm not like, oh, look at me. I get to go speak at this thing. I'm like, wow. I'm so grateful I get to speak at this thing. Let me not screw it up. You know, like I, I, yeah. I appreciate everything I have so much more because it took me so long to get where I was going to. I don't know how Mark Driscoll handled it at 25. Like my, that'd be such a, I can't imagine what your mind thinks. Like, where do you go from here? Like, I'm going to be bigger yeah. than Billy Graham because at 25 I'm here. You know, like, I don't know what that does to yeah. you, but I know Christianity needs to stop doing that because it's just caustic.
0: Yeah. We, I mean, we built a, a 30 person church when I was 25 and I I felt pretty damn good. <laughs> Well, about done. myself, you know, no, but, and that's <laughs> yeah. where like, you look at that. And then, then you see other numbers and you're like, Oh shit. Like what? Like, how can you not be a narcissist? How can you not say, well, look what I did. Mm-hmm. Look what I did, you know? And that's what uh, we've been talking about for weeks. It's just like the constant, how we are just building up celebrity and narcissism throughout the church, especially in mega church culture. Unfortunately it's, it's un it's inevitable. It's, it's, it's what's there. It's what's, how do you not get there? And how do you, you know? say no?
3: Right? If you get yeah, invited yeah. to go to the next thing, yeah. how do you say no to that? Like you're, you can't tell me that people, you should be like, oh, if I were you, I'd say no. No, you wouldn't. Stop that. No. Yeah.
0: Look at that paycheck. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Then
3: they, they yeah. say, I'm going to give you $5,000 to come give a, a 30 minute or 45 minute talk at a conference. We pay all your expenses 100%. and you're gone for 24 hours. You're going to say no to that because you got to be back yeah. to preach on Sunday Come on, man. Like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Look, I think it's it's what it does is it makes these people, it, it, people like love throwing rocks at celebrities, you know, big EVA celebrities. But you you yeah. don't know what it's like to be on the other side of the coin, which is you got a lot of hard decisions. And I've had to create guardrails for myself, too. I have a really clear schedule now. Of like, I only fly this many times a year because I realized I was not making me happy to fly more than that. I was away from my family and da, 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 da. I had to create these guardrails because if I didn't, I'd say yes to everything and be gone, you know, 20, 25 weekends a year. And that's not good for my family. Good for my mental health. Good for my wife. Um, And so I had to say no to that, but man, if they offer me a bunch of money, Ooh, those right now, my cap is like six to eight trips a year. But if someone offered me a whole ton of money to go one more time, that eight would become nine and that nine would become 10. And all of a sudden you're gone a bunch, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I, it's, uh, well, I guess, uh, you, you, gotta leave here soon, but one more question, I think, um, uh, and this might be not a easy question, but how long do you think, uh, mainline Christianity has <laughs> in the United States? Man. Okay. So
3: that's a great question. I think from a membership yeah. standpoint, it doesn't have that long, but it's going to, there's going to be zombie denominations that exist for a lot longer than they should So, um, I'll give you a good example. I love, I mean, I I would probably be an Episcopal if like push came to shove and like, I could just pick whatever I wanted to be. Although there's no Episcopal church in my town. So I guess I couldn't be, but if there was one, I would probably become an Episcopal. Um, my wife's Catholic. I'm Protestant. I think kind of halfway between is the way I like to be, you know, like I like the, the structure of the Catholic church, but I also don't like the exclusivity of the Catholic church. Um, all that stuff, um, Trinity church, wall street, right? The Trinity church that's in on wall street in New York city. Um, their land was given to them by the Queen of England in 1705. Um, They are sitting on a trust that generated in 2017 $310 million of interest. So your church can run for a very long time having very few people if you are bringing in $6 million a week in interest. Right. And plus you have assets because you own a big chunk of the primest real estate in the entire world in New York city on wall street. Right. So if things get bad, Oh, you sell a parcel off for a billion dollars and you can survive for another 20 or 30 years. So I think the question, the long and short of it is from like a membership standpoint, they're not going to be viable. I mean, they only have 500,000 people on an average Sunday in the Episcopal church nationwide right now, 500,000 people. Okay there are mega churches that have 30,000 people just in one service, and they have 500,000 people nationwide. They might get down to 250,000, 200,000 people. But again, the other interesting part for the Episcopals is their, their donations, their plate and pledge donations, haven't declined at all over the last five years, even though attendance has dropped about 15 or 20%. So the money's still there. The people aren't there. So I think from a from like a, a social influence standpoint, I think they're going to exist for a long time Are uh, not. They're not going to exist for a long time. But from a financial standpoint, they can kind of limp along for literally 50 or 75 years with no problems because they just have so much money in the bank and they can bleed out of that. I mean, I, I think that's probably what's going to happen more often than not, which. And I'll be clear about this. I don't know why these mainline denominations are sitting on literally hundreds of millions of dollars of reserves are not just throwing at things like here's, you know, here's a young uh, uh, ELCA pastor and she's interesting and, and innovative. Here's a million bucks. Go start a church where I don't care. And if you come, if you show success, we'll give you another half a million bucks. You know what I mean? Let's just start throwing money at you because what's the alternative, you know, like you having billions of dollars in the bank when you're when your denomination is basically gone it serves no one so at least give it a last gasp and try to like recruit pastors and make them do their job you know and then incentivize them mm-hmm. pay them well build a church for them give them everything they need and then they can be a pastor you know i just don't see why they're not doing. yeah
1: it. yeah for sure i've always said the 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 problem with church planting is uh money right <laughs> it's it's a, you, you send somebody somewhere and they have to raise as much money as humanly possible so that they could have a livelihood, you
3: know? Yeah. Let's um, talk about, can I, I got, I got five minutes. Let's talk about that. So I'm yeah. fascinated by how churches are funded. Like how start, like how planting churches works. And a lot of people don't know yeah. this, but I, we're we're writing a book on this right now. A lot of them work like in like a VC model, like a venture capitalist model. Where you go yeah. to a, a group like ARC, Association of Related Churches, or Acts 29, or there's something called the Sin Network in the SBC now, where you basically yeah. have to like go, please, sir, can you help me plant a church? And if you go through this rigorous training <laughs> process and they like score you highly, they will give you seed money to start a church and they will give you continuing operating funds for two or three years after that. Mm-hmm. And then it's on you. They basically build a runway for you for you to take off. And then when your church takes off, you have to take like 7% of your receipts and give that back to the church planting network in perpetuity for them to do that for other Mm -hmm. churches. So like it, it creates this weird incentive structure where you want to build a church, but here's what makes it even weirder. A lot of those ARC and Acts 29 are really conservative theologically, like no women pastors, no gay people, all that kind of stuff. But imagine you try to plant a church in, let's say, Los Angeles or Chicago or Philadelphia where the people are liberal. And you go in there and go, well, we got to grow a church. And they go, what do you think about gay people? Well, can't get married. Goodbye. You know, So how do you grow a church when the people there don't want to hear the message you're preaching, but you have to grow the church in order to get some runway to take off? Otherwise, your church closes. So it's like this constant conflict between like trying to meet the people where they are and, and, and teach theology to them where they are, but also trying to get more butts in seats, but also not making your funders upset. Because if you, the, the, your funders pull funding, then your church closes tomorrow because they're building your runway for you. I just think that's a fascinating model of like how to do church because it used to not be like that. You know, it used to be like start in your basement and then raise some money and get, you know, like rent a, a theater or a school and then go to build your own building. They don't do that way now. Arc, their whole thing now is start big, stay big. They want your average hands on your first yeah. 300 people or more. So how do you do that without oh, funding? Sure. You can't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, I was an associate pastor for an Ark church. Uh, I lasted 10 months
3: <laughs> because of that,
1: you know, <laughs> the, but the, it, it is, it, I think it's, that's a, it, it is a fascinating subject. I think maybe we'll have to have you on again to talk specifically about church planting. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is like our church. We did not, I wasn't here, but we did not begin that way. No. Uh, we began the way, the other way. You were talking basement. in a living room, in the living room, slow twelve the bell people, the right way. To get but, but the funny, yeah, yeah. but but the funny thing is about arc churches that they're all they all claim. The claim is we started at a at a dining room table with five or ten people. It's like no, you didn't. That's when the idea showed up. We did right. <laughs> Shut yeah. up. The
3: yeah. so yeah, guy I went to high exciting. school with moved to uh. Windham, Maine, and started an art church in Windham, Maine. He'd never been to Maine in his life. You didn't start yeah. you know, you didn't start at a dining room table. You started in Illinois with an idea and then you got money. Yeah. It's, it's manuf- again, it's manufactured, right? Say it's manufactured. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we wanted yeah. to play a church in Maine and we did. Um, you know, don't yeah. don't act like this is an organic move of God. No, it's not. You planned yeah. this thing out, you know. Well, and
0: we almost we almost took the swing of going, joining the Covenant Church mm-hmm. to get funding to do that, but mm-hmm. it it failed. Yeah. For, for good reason, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. For the well, buyer.
2: the other Covenant Church in town did, did say, not no, want. No, thank us you. To do that.
0: Um, yeah. So, But it, it turned out in our favor. But it, it's just crazy. I, I would love to talk about that more. Yeah. Um, Ryan, thank you. It's
3: been a pleasure. Thank you. Guys. Sorry
0: for the insane uh, problems that we constantly have. Uh, but we will get them figured
1: out before the next time we talk to you. Excellent. <laughs>
0: Thanks, guys. It's been a lot, a lot of fun. So, thank yeah. you. We'll yeah, talk to you soon. Sure, have a good day. Bye, everybody. Appreciate it. Good evening. You. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we'll see you. Thanks, Ryan. Man, that was a great conversation. Yes. Uh, yeah, man. Another one. It I, was don't, short. He, I we, don't... Because of the... Because like we could have talked to him for again, like last time, for another hour. But we, we had he's to... we one of those we were don't
0: really have to lead into any questions. He could just yeah. be like, here's everything I want to tell you right now yeah. for about two hours. Yeah. um, And that's
1: awesome. I We don't have but to... But like, because poke. of our uh, tech issues, we had to... Cut it short. Cut it short a um, bit. That's okay. But we're going to have him back on. We'll talk to him again. Because at the end, we talked about church planting. And then we were like, all right, next time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> next time. I'm always curious about his data. I think we said we, that last We
0: lived. Well. We lived through the data we were told the first time uh, about most uh, small.
1: Yeah. He was right about Biden winning presidency. He was.
0: Yeah. But our uh, small church uh did last through COVID. So yeah, far. It did. So it far. Did. COVID's still around-ish. Yeah uh but uh but
2: i mean pretty much all of our churches had it at this point so we're fine
0: uh, i meant to ask him that during the interview but like he was he was going hard with some really good info so i didn't want to like
1: if his church i wanted to too if his church is still around if we were
0: going um but uh yeah we we, that was my fault we uh cut it short he didn't bring it up so
1: i'm guessing no Uh, we'll find out (laughs) let's do a little more research we'd appreciate that uh, yeah
2: um, so, we'll do a
0: graph. Yeah, we'll do a graph on yeah. whether or not
2: It's like yes or no. <laughs> his, <laughs> is it a bar graph? If is it church a what it, kind
0: of... It'll be grassroots and his church. Yeah. <laughs> yes or no? uh We're not good at graphs. No, uh, I
1: thought it was really interesting though. I mean, especially at the end with the, uh because we've talked about the issues with church planting and the incentive. Yeah, of church planting. Well, it's
0: you know? it's great because it, like again, hearing confirmation of everything we've talked about in the past without coaxing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like he like just blew it out there of saying, like, here's how it goes. And this is like, oh, we we did a full on podcast about this. Yeah. And hundred percent yes. That's it. Yeah. It's just how it runs.
1: Yeah, that's what he needs to come on Live. once a year. We need to fly him in. To confirm our <laughs> discussions, basically. <laughs> I think yeah. Tell basically. us we're right
2: yeah. and that we're pretty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs>
0: man. So uh yeah. Thanks again to Ryan Ryan Burge. Uh that was super good Conversation uh to be had. Hopefully, it all worked. I we don't know yet. I'm just recording this. After well, we, we do know it.
1: if it's if this comes out, then yes, we do know. <laughs> that's true.
2: By the time I they hear it, it, didn't work. Um, <laughs> good they just point. get this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. Dude, talk. so good. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that, that's actually funny. That's yeah. what Evan says a lot. <laughs> it's funny. So funny. That's so funny. so funny. Transition.
0: I'm not laughing, but that's so funny. funny. <laughs> that's yeah.
2: The laughing is my job. Uh,
0: so so uh, there you have it, guys. Uh, you got a whole lot of information from Ryan. Uh, he will be on soon again, whether or not he knows it.
2: We hope. Uh, we'll ask. He him.
0: will. I'll just. I'll tell him we got the, the sound issues figured out ahead of time. Yeah, and uh, hopefully that's true at the point. Uh, but uh, thank you guys again for joining us. Uh, as per usual, you know our tags: uh, Christian Af Podcast. Uh, or ChristianePodcast dot com, Twitter, all that things. Uh, Twitter is ChristianePod.
1: Yeah, that's it. There's nothing on
0: Twitter, is there? I reshare things from other sources, so if you're on Twitter and you are like well, that's, that's Elon Musk, bah! like that's the yeah. one, like uh, then you at least have something yeah. to click on. Um, but for now, uh, we have obvious plans of starting a uh. A, a, Solid, solid TikTok. Don't say it. Solid TikTok plan. We've been talking that for a year and a half. We have two followers on
1: TikTok. (laughs) Really? Is it me and you? We have have
0: a friend of ours uh, followed us.
1: We have no videos. What are they following us for? Just in case. Like, we've been
0: saying it for like since the pandemic that we're going to post something. Um, But, uh, you know, we talk about this every time. So go follow us, go like us, go buy us drinks. You know where to do that. Uh, if you've been listening, you can go to our website, krishnayapodcast.com. Click on the buy us a drink.
1: Tell us what you want us to drink with the money you sent us. We or if you it. own a multi a Fortune 500 company. Please reach uh, out and sponsor us. Give us We a would
2: bucks. be happy with 50,000.
1: Yeah. We or, will talk Or a million. We'll talk about
2: we'll you. We'll start at 50.
0: We'll talk mm-hmm. about you constantly.
2: 50 a year.
1: Yeah, even so, if it's like something like uh, super creepy, like BlackRock or whatever. Like, hey, we'll take your money. I
0: don't know what that is, but it sounds creepy. <laughs> That's like the company that owns everything. Sure. Like, right. is this a conspiracy? Let's no, talk about it. Legit Let's go. Stuff. Okay. All right. Jen says, Let's I
1: have go. to go to the bathroom. All Jen's right. like, I got to pee. <laughs> oh, finally. <laughs> it's uh, my turn. Uh, all right. Jen has to go home to her husband and children. <sighs> depending damn when this damn came Damn kids always want when, something. <laughs> depending when this came out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. i just like surprise we, get married we and hold this one for like she met somebody on her cruise no
1: she didn't tell us about they
2: did have a sexiest man competition
1: <laughs> were any men sexy number two you said was better you than went, you, no. went you went to this competition. i
2: happened to be on the pool oh, deck I
1: Happened to be on the pool deck
2: <laughs> no like, mm. like, the one who got second left. place was the best looking yes yeah, so the she, one who won
1: she voted
2: no, <laughs> i didn't no there were judges i did not i was not a judge
0: do you vote by like dancing at them is that like another
1: the another judges race, were like... three
2: women that they had to dance on it, as no, though course, they were the at Lord. a strip
0: jen's
1: a- like oh how, how can i get this how can cake?
2: i get a judge darn my mom was here <laughs> <laughs> anyway
0: that's uh that's <laughs> our episode sorry before we go down a huge rabbit hole of nonsense uh i'm jesse i'm evan i'm jen keep questioning everything Question Ryan Bridges. So aggressive <laughs> uh, statistics, and then yep. see if it's right. And question us. our schedule.
1: <laughs> That's true. Schedule. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Keep questioning. Bye. Oh, we're Christian English. peace out. See you. Later. oh 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 oh